Greetings, good people. Welcome to Who Knows It's Just Life, the podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Thank you for fitting me into your day today. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with my guest, MySpan Wilson, who's a longtime friend of mine. Uh, and we'll be speaking about his perception of the current events and the current tone that's going on in Philadelphia right now. You know, definitely a lot going on with the with the killing of Walter Wallace Jr. Um, so we're going to get into that. But first, to introduce my, uh, I first met my while we were studying at the University of Maryland uh, in college. And uh, my is a musician. He's a producer and MC, and that's one of the first things we connected off of um, doing music. In his professional life, he is the he's a professor of conflict resolution at Temple University. He's the president and CEO of Kofa Kicks LLC. Uh, he also facilitates diversity training and is a therapist specializing uh, in, in treating men who have committed domestic abuse. So uh, with that, thank you very much for joining me, Ma. Welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. All right, all right. So um, before we get started, I usually like kick it off with you know, a brief check-in on what's been going on. So it could be about world world events, local events, just personally what's going on. So do you have any updates that you would like to offer? Man, I'm looking forward to today, man. You know, like you said, a lot's going on right now in Philly. You know, uh, just a lot going on with the climate. Obviously, we just elected Joe Biden. Uh, so, you know, that's that's heavy. You know, I'm thinking about people partying in the streets in Philadelphia. That was cool. You know, I think that was a lot of stress for a lot of people. I know a lot of people around me were very worried. And for I mean, it almost feels like one of the first the first wins for a lot of people in 2020. So, yeah, that's real. So, uh, yeah, that that's major. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. So let's get into the main topic of today's discussion, which is the state of Philadelphia. And, you know, weighing heavily on, on Philadelphia is, is the killing of Walter Wallace Jr., which which occurred a few weeks ago. And I thought it'd be great to have Maya on the show because he is a resident in Philadelphia, has lived there for a while, and he was the original person that told me about it. Uh, as y'all know, I, I just got on social media, so that's not the way I hear about things. A lot of times I hear about things from people who who know me and just kind of clue me into things and, 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 and that sort of thing. So, you know, Maya was the one that told me about it. And, you know, he told me about it just after I had recorded the first podcast. So I didn't mention it, you know, in, in the original recording of the first one. But I knew this was a topic that I wanted to get into. Uh, so my being in Philly and just have just your proximity to the to the incident, um, can you just break down, you know, how it was that you heard about it, and just kind of take us through what it was like being in Philadelphia, you know, when it took place and when you when you heard about it? Okay, well, you know, being in Philly, I don't know. I think that this one just hit me different than other other shootings that that have happened or other killings by officers. I, I'm trying to remember initially how I how I heard about it. I mean I think I I think initially I, I, I heard about it on social media and then I was talking to my, my sister about it and I was you know, I think that we because because we were having some some conflict about our viewpoint on it, it made made me feel like, yo, I gotta watch this video mm. and I you know I usually as a as a mental health professional I usually advise people not to watch videos um but I watched this video and I felt like there was something like humane there was something humane about me watching this video mm. because it by watching the video as hard as it was I think that I needed to reattach myself to that anger that real that that authentic anger that comes from from watching a video and the other emotions that 
that are underneath that anger, the sadness, the pain. But even more so by watching the video because there was a young man who was holding uh, his cell phone and he was just watching the event occur. And you can see uh, this young man saying like, oh shit, yo, they just killed somebody in front of me. And at that moment, like I kind of almost was able to empathize and be like, yo, I could have been holding that, that that, that camera. And even more so, like, because it happened four blocks from my house, like, it just hit different that I either I could have been holding that camera or I could have been that young man, you know, that, that got shot. So, um, so, so it just hit me really hard on that level. Damn. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's real. And I know there's, there's different stages of, of people's perceptions of how to, how to treat those videos that come out. I think the, the police body camera video just was released a couple of days ago. I think it might've been yesterday, the day before. And I have chosen to not watch videos like that after I can't remember the last one I saw, but I know Ahmaud Arby's video came out earlier this year. I didn't watch that. I didn't, I mean, it was impossible not to see some footage of George Floyd's. Um, but I didn't sit down and watch the entire thing. And I kind of like, I, I can appreciate and understand why you advise people not to watch them. Um, some people do think it's important, and I think it's interesting that in this case, it was it was helpful or necessary for you, and at least in this moment, to to be retapped into that anger and rage and all the other feelings that you mentioned. I, maybe maybe I should watch it too, and, and and I'm curious. I wonder how how different it comes off comes across with the footage from you know a young man in the community holding his cell phone versus the body cam footage that's that's been released now. Um, just, just those different perspectives. I'm, I'm not sure if that that matters or, or or what, but yeah. And the fact that it was so close to you too, just geographically, that that's that's crazy, man. And so, yeah. Like, what, what's the name of your podcast again? So the podcast is called "Who Knows It's Just Life," and the the premise. I should say this in the beginning of the show, but the premise is just you know, I don't know, and I'm still learning, and. So, you know, it, 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 life is happening, things take place and we have our experiences and we have some things that we understand to this point. And that that's we, we operate in the world with, with what we already currently know. But we're all we're all still learning and we're all trying to figure out this world as, as it's coming to us and as we come to it. And um, so that that's the name of the show. And that's kind of the perspective, you know, that. And so so any topic that we talk about here, it's really just about expressing that learning process about you know expressing the learning process about that given topic and the reason reason I asked you I, I knew that that the topic related to talking about Walter Wallace Jr the the lessons that I'm learning in the moment as I told you I you know I tell people not to watch the video you know but one thing that I just learned as you know we try to be conscious people that, you know, don't are, are aware of privilege and, and our own privilege. One thing I was aware of is that, you know, yes, on one side, it's traumatizing to watch these videos. On the other side, there's a privilege that we have by not seeing these videos and not. And so I was very aware and I was like, yo, I, I, I don't feel connected to that privilege this time of being able to not watch this video. Like, I feel like I, I like this, this happened in my community and I have to be part of this. Like, and so that's one thing that I was aware of that, 
there's a certain way you can feel as much as it hurts you to, to see somebody killed, um, you know, 10 states away that it just hits different when you're like, wait, I, I live in Philly and this happened in Philly. Wait, I live in West Philly and this happened in West Philly. Like it just hits totally different. Um, and I think that it just changed my perspective on the police brutality in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. I, I had that conversation a year ago with my brother when we were talking about the documentary on Netflix, uh, when, or not the documentary, the docudrama, um, when they see us and, he, I think he had already seen it, and he was like, yeah, you got to see this. And I was like, yeah, but do I really need to see I mean, isn't it traumatic, and da-da-da-da-da. And he was like, yeah, you, you're speaking from privilege right now. Like, th- these were some young brothers' lives, and, like, you have the opportunity to watch it, but you can also choose not to. And I was like, shit, yeah, I mean, I was like, you're right. And um, a lot of times what does ultimately push me to experience, to choose to experience visual trauma like that is the fact that I have a son, and and, and I need to be aware of what this society has done to black boys and black men. And I think there's maybe there is some some dosage of that that is necessary to, to keep us tapped into that in a deeper sense. And, and again, I'm going to go back to that word again in a, in a humane extent, in, in yeah. a humane, because like, so Kyle introduced me and talked about our connection at, at University of Maryland. Something that really... Um, made me realize this even deeper. One of my favorite people from University of Maryland's name is Nkimka, and she lives in Philadelphia now, and she sent me a message a few days after Walter Wallace Jr. was was shot and was like, yo, watch me on Instagram Live. I'm I'm going to be doing this. And it was so powerful because she was on talking about the trauma of the situation, but she was also... There was a, another um, therapist on that was interviewing her and was talking to her about, like, sometimes we just need to slow down and feel this. So, like, what are you feeling right now? What are you feeling in your body about what just happened? Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, so powerful. And and we forget that the body informs us. Like, when we actually feel, we a lot of the answers that we're intellectualizing, we're not going to—we won't ever get those until we feel. Mm. So, when, when, so that's the beauty of actually— feel of like actually living in it because when you watch the the reaction or you you see what you see what um you know what's the young man that went down south that was um that was dragged and then thrown in you know thrown in the river and his mom had an open casket oh Emmett Till yeah when when you when you when you see the the way that Emmett Till's uh, mother was able to do that, she was able to do that because she was informed by what she felt in her body mm. that, that that world needs to see this. She mm. she was she would have never been able to make that decision if she wasn't feeling and she shut down, right? So, you know, a lot of times when we're in our own relationships with people, like the the information that we really need is in feeling it and and feeling feeling going deep into the roots and feeling what we're supposed to feel. And so that's what. So I f- I found myself tearing up and crying as. Uh, as Nkimka was on there talking, talking about, I, she said the same thing. I, I like I didn't want to watch the video, but I found myself watching it, and like I felt like I needed to watch it, and then a tear just went down my face. Like, I, yo, I'm relating. Not only am I like relating to this person that 
I was close to 12 years ago in college and I haven't seen since, but now she's in Philadelphia, also living a few blocks away from me. I need to connect with this sister. Like she's living right here and she's on, she may be like an angel sent to like be here with me during this time. Like that there's this humanity in it that you won't realize until you actually are willing to feel. Yeah. Um, so yeah. That that's very powerful, and that's I'm glad you circled back to that because I meant to when you said there was a humanity to watching the video. And and yeah, I mean trauma and anger and and the feelings associated with seeing something like that is part of humanity. That's part of being human, and and it's part of. I mean, we we should we should feel if we're healthy human beings, we should feel solidarity with people. We should feel connected to every every person on the planet for real, and so. Yeah, that's that's a good that's that's a good point to make. Another aspect of this case that I think is worth talking about is the fact that Walter Wallace was, I think he was experiencing a mental health crisis in that moment, and uh, I think it was his brother, a family member, you know, called the police, you know, because of what was taking place in the home, and you know, the fact that the police are involved for mental health crises. Um, and he was holding a knife, so that there, there, there was a, a, you know, a weapon that could be used for bodily harm. Um, but mental health crises are definitely different than than criminal situate than a truly criminal situation where a weapon is involved. And I, I was looking into this a little bit. There was a couple of articles that I read about the West Philadelphia Consortium and John White and how that that community of people knew knew Walter Wallace and engage with him and and they are part of a a an organization who right now informally is is connected to the police and and can respond first to situations where mental health is is a is a factor. Do you have any thoughts on that especially with your with your workings in as as a therapist and and in mental health? Yeah, man. I mean, one thing I can say is that I know that I heard that the family didn't call the police, they called the ambulance and said we want the ambulance specifically. And we don't want the police to come. So right, that's true. Um, that's true. So they they were very aware that their that their child was suffering from a mental health crisis, and I think that uh, we have such a low we have such a low standard. The fact that people's mind would go to, you know, trying to defend the officers in the situation, um, because. You know, they they might have felt danger because he was he was holding a knife. Right. Um, In the video, the knife was I couldn't even, you know, so small you couldn't see the knife. Right. But the fact that you could send armed forces when there's when there's more than one person to confront one single person and feel like I'm so threatened that I need to just open fire Mm. is problematic. It speaks volumes about the, 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 the system. It speaks volumes about. Uh, the way that we engage and the fact that that he was having a, a mental health crisis, um, even more so, there should be a lot of different ways that this could have been de-escalated. Um, as a mental health professional, I've been in dangerous situations as a lot of other people who are social workers or mental health professionals where you're threatened and you have to find other ways de- to de-escalate. Uh, and there is no gun to lean on in that situation, you know, um, there's a there. So I, 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 I'm, I'm befuddled at this defense that like, oh, I felt threatened. So I had to just like open fire when 
I'm like, how do you feel threatened when there's multiple off- officers there? And okay, and maybe you did, maybe you do do have some fear, but how do you, how do, you, how does that mean that now I have to like just pull out a gun and just open fire? Yeah, they had their guns drawn early too. Like I, I, I haven't seen the video, but I've read the descriptions of of, of the, actually I read the pl- description of the body cam video, and I mean they they pulled out early. Yeah, they. I mean they pulled out. They, they they didn't shoot once. They didn't shoot to de-escalate. They shot to to kill. Yeah. It was obvious that they shot to kill, and that and the fact that that would be acceptable, you know, to people is is extremely problematic. And we can, you know. People don't want to have this discussion, but we can just look at historically the way that officers have been able to de-escalate white people. Mm. <laughs> it just—it, I mean, we can just Speak look at—we can just look at it historically and look at how how well officers have been able to de-escalate, um, you know, white people and how much more dangerous of situations. Yeah, um, that's real. That they that that they were officers were in, even as far as officers running away at full speed, you know. So, you know, we have we have questions there. There's questions about why why that is so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, your ability to, you know, de-escalate situations that, you know, might have been potentially threatening uh, or, or could have turned violent. And one of the things that one of these articles and I should I should cite out cite the article. I read an article um, in, in on BillyPen.com. Um, which was which was entitled "How Mental Health Pros Intervene on a 9/11 Call: What Didn't Happen for Walter Wallace Jr." And in this article, they talked about two two acronyms that are used to help de-escalate situations like that. One of them is LEAP, L-E-A-P, which stands for Listen, Empathize, Agree, and Partner. And the second is CAF, which is Calm, Assist. I'm sorry, Calm, Assess, Facilitate. And those those are two that I had never heard of before. And it sounds like, and this, this organization is definitely equipped with that knowledge and people who are understand who understand how to use those in intense situations. And I'm not sure if you if you've you know you use those specifically, but these resources are available. And the fact that you know police arrive on site, and you know how you know how police are. We see the videos, we see we see. I mean, TV shows and everything. Like police usually have an elevated voice when they're in an intense situation. They ele- like, drop your weapon, that they're yelling at you or whatever. And in this case, I, you know, as soon as Walter Wallace, it was, as soon as they knew he had a, uh, had a knife, they drew their weapons and they're yelling at him to drop his weapon. And, you know, there was no listen, there was no empathize, there was no agree, no partner, no calm, or, or no assess, like all of that was thrown out the window off the jump, you know? And it kind of just goes, and it goes to the, to the point that there are better ways to handle mental health crises. Um, and I'm glad you corrected me because the family called 911 for an ambulance. You're correct. Yeah, that, you're absolutely right about that. Because they they know as a as a family of a, of a of a loved one who has mental health issues, um, and being black, like they know they know the consequences when the police show up. Every, you know, people know black people know that, especially with mental health too. So. Um, it's very important to note that they did call for an ambulance specifically the fact that it's the police that show up, that they're the first responders and, 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 and they, they reacted the way they did. They obviously did not use any of these two, you know, two acronyms. It's, that's just tragic. And, and, and especially since Philadelphia has those resources not far from where this incident happened in the first place. I mean, I'll take it a step further. The only the only resources that were actually trying to practice these de-escalation 
this de-escalation was was the mother. You can hear the mother's voice saying like, "Don't shoot." You know, and the the mother knew that 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 her son could be de-escalated a different way, right? So you so you literally have, you know, this person, you know, this young man being murdered in front of his mother, um, and and I mean, I I was told his children also saw. I mean, I didn't see the children in the video, but I mean, this is just you know traumatic on all levels, and I just felt like it, there could have been it could have been de-escalated a different way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I did see. An article, uh, oh, I saw a post of an article on CNN that that said that New York City has initiated a plan to include mental health professionals in their first response to to situations like that, um, which which is good. And I know uh, in, in these in these Billy Penn articles, I read a couple of them about this. They said that they that Philadelphia has been long considering involving mental health professionals in situations like this, and obviously it's. It, what they were saying is that right now it's an informal thing. Certain police officers know who to call, but it's not any, it's nowhere near procedural or required. 911 operators, you know, should, it should be more standardized in terms of making sure, you know, assessing whether or not mental health is a factor. And then there should be written procedures in a, in a consistent standardized approach to involving the correct folks as first responders. And then the police being, you know, secondary responders, if, if, if at all necessary, that, that's hopefully some good news at least in New York, and hopefully Philly gets his act together as well. Um, do, you, do you think that's enough? Is that is that enough? Do you think there's more that should be done? Yeah, I mean, I also think that, you know, I, I, I mean, I read another article saying, because people were saying, how come they didn't have billy sticks and how come they didn't use that? And then there were, and then I read another article saying that, like, less than 60% of officers have access to, like, billy sticks and there's not even enough for all the officers and there's not enough resources there i i even heard that they didn't even have tasers they didn't have the same thing with tasers. everybody's got a gun but they didn't even have ta- they didn't have tasers or billy clubs what they said there's not enough tasers um for all the officers either mm, interesting so i think that's worth investigating I, I mean i don't even know you know how much truth there is to it or not but i definitely feel like that's worth investigating i think either way is problematic well i i the article i said i think i saw an article on npr that said that, that said that they did not have tasers and that there was a shortage of tasers that was a known issue leading up to to that day that not every cop had a taser, so that you know I actually I'll, I'll post so the articles that we're, that I'm talking about I'll I'll post them on the on on notes for the show so y'all can read it yourselves. So I know Philly has been pulsating for months since George Floyd. Philly was one of the most active cities that I saw. You know, I mean, everybody was doing stuff, but Philly was definitely pulsating with activity and protest and uprising as a result of George Floyd's killing. And um, another friend of ours in Philly was he was telling me about how, um, you know, there was a lot of activity around certain statues. I know the Frank Rizzo statue was taken down and I think eventually the Christopher Columbus statue was taken down in Philadelphia. So there was a lot of there was a lot of momentum and movement towards that. How does the people's reaction to Walter Wallace Jr.'s killing compare to the tone that had already been been in the city as a result of George Floyd and other incidents? Yeah, I mean, Again, I mean, I, I want to say that that this one felt this one felt even more close to home as far again because I live in West Philly. This happened in West Philly, and so we gathered at Malcolm X Park, with, which is a famous park in West Philly. Um, it's a park where a lot of um, where the Juneteenth celebration happens, and you know, we we all we gathered there and walked and and felt the the pulse and the vibe of the people in West Philly. We walked all throughout West Philly and 
and in protest and that that felt that just felt totally different than you know some of the other pro- protests that had happened downtown and you know in Philadelphia right um and and you know some of them might have happened in different parts of the city but this was centralized and focused you know in the same neighborhood where the, where this trauma happened to a young man and and we knew that we were walking the same streets that he probably walked that he probably grew up playing on right and it just felt different and we we heard people's outrage that directly were impacted in this same neighborhood and community and looked people in the eyes that that probably knew this young man right so it just it just felt it just felt different you know uh, some of those other things that happened, yes, you're right, like Philly has been very active, um, you know, protesting all throughout the, the quarantine, um, you know, for Ahmaud, Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd. And, uh, and Breonna Taylor, too, I'm sure. Breonna Taylor, you know, so I, I think that, you know, it's been a continued protest. But this, again, this one just felt like centralized in my neighborhood. Like, so it just felt... You know, it, it felt different for that reason. And and let me say this, like <laughs> the same thing I, I mentioned earlier about um, in Kempka being a student that I, I knew at University of Maryland. But like when I was walking the streets protesting um, for Walter Wallace Jr., um, I, I turned around and the first person I saw uh, was a friend of mine named Gabe. And and Gabe um, is from Michigan, and I, when I went to when I turned eighteen, I, I ended up going to community college in Michigan for a little while. And Gabe was one of the coolest people I ever met in Michigan. So like, I so I so here from University of Maryland, I have this cool person. Like, if there was one person I would have want to be in Philly during this protest, you know, it from from Maryland, it would have been in Kimka. If it was one person from from Michigan, it would have been Gabe. And like the first person I saw when I turned around, I'm like, oh shoot. So like. To be able to build with these people, you know, and we, you know, we're sitting here talking about restorative justice while we're walking during this protest, like me and Gabe, and you know, it was just so dope. Like that's what I'm talking about—the humanity of being there. If I wasn't there, I wouldn't have ran into Gabe. Like so, you, so when you're in the when you're in the the foxhole with people who are radically loving, you you end up building in a way that you're not expecting that you're going to build. Um, Again, the the body, the universe informs you in ways that that you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah, that's real. It's, it's, I think it's always beautiful when things like that come together out of tragedy. I mean, I, some of the, some of my favorite memories of seeing family members was at were at funerals. Um, you have sometimes sometimes tragedy brings out like just a certain a certain energy out of people and and that that brings out some really really memorable times and for a situation like this obviously everybody was riveted by what took place and I don't believe in accidents I don't think it's an accident that Gabe was right there and, and that that Kemka hit you up and and happened to be in the city and I think that it's just beautiful that in the in that moment of trauma you were able to find people who were in were were in the city and experiencing that with you and had and, had, and you had that real solidarity and that touch point with them. I, I bet that was a very mutually healing uh, experience for all of y'all. Right. Yeah, man. And shout out to Gabe Gabe Peoples. He, he's a he's a um, professor. Um, but but we first met similar to Kyle. Like we first met in in Michigan um, when one of my friends was like, "Yo, there's there's this hip hop and R and B group. Like you need to come." 
and and I just ended up showing up and I ended up meeting Gabe and he was one of the MCs slash poets that and we've been friends and hit it off ever since. So yeah, definitely. So I guess last last question about Philly. Now you know that was a few weeks. That, so that was I guess literally a week before the election. With every, with the the drama that was the election and and that whole thing, you know how how is the energy in the city right now? I mean, is there still a lot of mo- movement around Walter Wallace Jr.? I know there was some celebration around Biden winning. You know what what's the what's the kind of tone and the energy in the city like now? Hmm. I mean, I would say that um, you know I think people are still organizing, and I definitely think that we you know we had a a victory though that that like I said like I mean I saw faces out out and about in West Philly dancing the streets blocking traffic and just you know I think that people this city really needed this win like as far as the election goes for for Biden and yeah I think that um you know people are people are still people are still angry and upset about Walter Wallace Jr and that 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 is still there's still a lot of organizing but i think right now people are in a there's a lot of healing that's that's being done people are in pain yeah man like i think that uh as far as as a community we're, we're you know we're coming together i think we'll, we'll, through all of this will grow like i think through all of this will you know we'll become stronger so i think that's ultimately like what's happening right now in philly yeah that's what's up and, and obviously, not to be lost in it, Pennsylvania's the state that tipped it, right? So, the fact that the fact that the election was all dr- dramatic and close and everything, it took, it took time to to get all the votes counted and everything. And it was Pennsylvania, the state that you live in and voted in, that was the state that tipped it over the edge. So, I mean, all that celebration is 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 warranted across the country for those who you know wanted this this outcome. Y'all especially deserve to celebrate since you were the state that that were the the, tip, the tipping point in, in the in the electoral college. So, so props to you all for showing up and doing your thing and uh, and making that a reality. So yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it felt good. It felt good. It felt good. I think it felt good to 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 everybody. But it was like a yeah, man. It felt it felt good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And one thing I talked about in my last episode is that. Biden and Harris weren't necessarily everybody's favorite at, at the beginning of the t- at the beginning of the primaries. So there's work to be done. I mean, neither of them were, were perfect in any, by any stretch, and I think everybody recognizes that. Unless you, you think I'm wrong, but no, um, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't think you're wrong. I don't. I, I mean, I'm, I don't think that they're the greatest candidates in the world. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, we had to get Trump out of office. You know, for sure, for sure. All right, for the next part of the show, we're going to talk about the song we're rocking to. And since Mai's the guest, what song are you rocking to right now? Um, I mean, what's, what, what song am I rocking to? Um, you know, Busta, Busta Rhymes is one of my favorite MCs. Probably, probably you got to give him the crown for, or at least he's in the argument for the crown for longevity, being able to switch up his styles. So right now he he did he has a song with one of my favorite artists, Anderson Pack. Um, called you, and um, that song is dope. Uh, I'm always rocking to her. Her her has two singles out right now, and both of those new singles are are fire, fire. absolute fire. Um, she so, is just so, killing it right now. So yeah, that's on that's on the R and B side. So yeah, man, you know I'm, I'm rocking with rocking with with her, uh, and uh, you know bust bust the bus, you know buses. <laughs> One of my one of my favorite MCs. He just released a new album, and uh, 
Yeah, you know. Have you heard Common's new joint? He dropped one like last week, I think. No, I am conscious that Common did drop an album, but I didn't hear it yet. You know, so yeah. I mean, I'm gonna check it out. You know, I was listening to it, but I was at work, so I wasn't fully, fully engrossed in it. I feel like if you rock into it in a car, like that's like the first time you really hear it. Um, but uh, so I haven't, I haven't really done it like that. But um, yeah, it's pretty good. From sonically, it was just, it was cool from that, from that perspective. I have to listen more to it. Yeah. So closing, closing questions for you. Um, this is just kind of like off, the, like just random questions, just to round everything out. So if you could have a superpower, what would it be? A superpower. Um, besides being a music artist, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, music artists definitely have a superpower, That's but, true. uh, I mean, flying, man, I mean, flying is, you know, you, you, you could, you could just, go, you know, go anywhere and just fly, fly over, fly from one city to the next, you know, yeah. be able to fly above everybody. You know, flying is flying is that is 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 a dope superpower. You know, so I think I'm, I'm gonna go with go with flying, man. That's what's up. I like that one. I like that one. The engineer in me wants to ask all these questions. Like, well, can you break the sound barrier when you're flying? Like, what what are the limitations physically? Like, but I'm not gonna go there. Okay. I, I almost did, but anyway. Um, and second question and last question is, uh, what's the last book you read or the last book that you read that you would recommend? Oh man, I mean, so. Right now, I'm not reading a lot of books. I'm studying for uh, a, a licensing exam that I want to take. Um, so <laughs> I'm not really reading a lot of books right now. Do you now. recommend that licensing exam? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. You know, the ASWB Social Work Board exam book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, no, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, the you know, the last book that uh, I was reading is The Color of Law. Mm. Um and I, you know, I think I saw that book up, upstairs. Yeah, I got it. Your, Richard Rothstein. Yeah, at your, yeah, your place. So, yeah, I mean, that's the last book that I was reading. Um, and also, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, you know, I'm always, I think that he's one of the great writers out right now. Yeah, for so sure. I'm always, Did you read this novel? So that's the, that, yeah, that's the, the Water Dancer. Yeah, so that, that's yeah. the most recent book um, that I've read. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's what's up. Well, one of these days, should do like a, a a book review or a book discussion on whatever maybe a couple of books maybe that that would be a cool thing to do. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess the last last question is how can people get at you? You know, are you you know how can people find you? Support what you're doing, whether it's musically or or anything else you're, you're working on. Yeah. So I mean, hit me up on Instagram. It's my music five m a i, the word music number five. Um, that's the same Twitter handle I have. Um, I also have another uh, Instagram handle called um, The Fashion Therapist. So it's The Fashion underscore therapist. And, you know, that, that you know, there I'm just talking about, um, you know, the work that I do in the community. And, you know, if I got new workshops or trainings coming up. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you can find me either either one of those places. And, you know, me and Kyle are working together. You're probably going to hear uh, some new music in the in the near future. So, uh, that will be coming out as well. So look forward to that. That's what's up. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that my, this is the same my span who I used as my song that I'm rocking to in the first episode. Um, so this this is this is the the man, the legend <laughs> from, from that first song. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we, we work together on, on a music tip and uh, definitely appreciate your energy musically and, and anytime we collaborate, it's always a good time. So yeah, looking forward to more, more music there. 
All right, well, that's our show. You can get at me on Instagram at RealDadult. That's R-E-A-L-D-A-D-U-L-T. And I look forward to any of your comments, suggestions for future shows or on any of the past shows. Appreciate you listening. Be safe. Be well. Peace. Peace.